here tonight with you, and uh, I'm going to start with prayer, if that's all right. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name with your people. Lord, it's a special thing to come together, people from different backgrounds, races, ages. Lord, it's only you that can bring those people together. In the name of Jesus, we gather tonight in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you that for anointing that goes forth with your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive. We thank you that your word brings faith in the heart of your people. We thank you for it tonight, Father. So in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you walk in our midst, Jesus. You walk amongst us. Lord, that your word goes forth. And healing is in your word, Father. Salvation is in your word. Deliverance is in your word. We thank you for it tonight, Father. We'll leave change tonight. That's our promise to you. That we'll leave change tonight. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. So we're talking about uh, summer stories. And I'm going to talk about David tonight. And, uh, one thing I, I like about David is, you know, it's, it's probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible because you'll even find in the sports arena, some ungodly announcer would even say, this is a classic story of David versus Goliath. And they may not have even ever read it, but they've heard it. So this is a familiar story, but I hope that there's some things that will, that, uh, will come out in this tonight that to bring you into remembrance, to remind you of some things that, that caused him to live a life of victory. Did he make some mistakes? Yes, he made some mistakes. But that man also accomplished a lot of things for God. And I, I don't know about you, but I like to win. And when you come into the body of Christ, you're automatically a winner. Because the one who defeated it all lives on the inside of you. So just automatically because you're a Christian, because you you born again, and Jesus Christ, who is alive... We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who is alive. And David had revelation of this way back in, in these times, that God was alive. And so that's the God that we serve today. And so knowing that, that makes us winners. And so we want to uh, understand that, that who lives on the inside of us and who we are in him. So the only way that we lose is if we quit. Did you hear what I just said? The only way we lose is if we quit. Jesus had a chance to quit. When he was on the cross, he could have called down legions of angels. The the one guy said to him, well, if you're who you say you are, then do this. And so he had a chance to quit right there at the last, but he was a finisher. And that's what God wants you and I to do is finish our race. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, (laughs) <laughs> Are you happy tonight? You're going to be happy by the time you leave here. I promise you that. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Say this, say, I am a finisher. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a finisher. Say, tell them you got to finish your race. See, God didn't call us to race all the same race. 
he called each of us to finish our own race. And so we got to be finishers and to finish this race. And because here's what it goes on to say. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The Amplified says the victor's crown. Did y'all hear what I just said? And so this is what we have ahead of us. If we finish, Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. So there is laid up for me a victor's crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That means that there's going to be a people in the last days that are looking for the return of Jesus. There's going to be a people in the last days. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible calls it us the remnant, that we are the remnant. And so there's going to be a people that are looking for his appearing and who love and long for and yearn for the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And it says that when he appears, there is laid up for us a crown. This is what's waiting for you. Do you understand this? It's a victor's crown. It means that you won, (laughs) that you finished. Amen. But what we want to talk about tonight is winning in life. We want to talk about living a life of victory. And so that's what these stories I'm hoping will bring out over the next several weeks is how we win in this life. How we take a story from the Old Testament and get a lesson from that so that we can live our everyday life based on the word of God. This is how we win right here is with this word. If we believe that this is God's word and and it's alive and powerful and it says sharper than any, come on, two edges sword. We don't, we don't need any dull swords out there. We, we got the word to sharpen our sword. Amen. So we're going to talk about David. Say I'm a victor. We never quit. We don't quit. That's not in us. Jesus didn't quit. We don't quit. Micah 7, verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. That means if if we do fall, if we do stumble, do we quit? No, we don't quit. We We are people that are sensitive to God, quick to repent, quick to get up. So if you fall seven times, you get up. That's right. That's who we are. That's who we are in God. So with that being said, turn over to Mark chapter 11. Now, one thing about David, I'll say about David, is that David knew God. Because he knew God, he believed God. And there's people, and maybe maybe you grow up, not getting right information about God. Because if I were to tell you, well, Pastor Justin, you know, Pastor Justin's a nice man, but, you know, you got to watch out because he'll do this. And and you've never met Pastor Justin? Then guess what your first response toward Pastor Justin is going to be when you meet Pastor Justin? And so there's a lot of things that have been said about God that aren't true. Hollywood's painted a picture about God. You know, when they're painting this picture that, well, you know, God gives and God takes away because someone in your family just died. Well, what's your response going to be toward God? Well, I don't like him very much if he's take if he's killing off my family. 
I remember my mom, my mom passed away in 2004. It shouldn't have happened. You know, it was one of those things that happened suddenly. I, I wish there were some things we could have done differently. She would still be alive today. But I'm at her funeral. And this sweet little lady, sweet little lady, she was about this tall. And she came up and, and, and she looked up at me. And she said, God needed another angel in heaven. You know, just saying that, you know, God, it was, it took my mom and, you know, she, she had died of cancer complications from cancer. And, and so in my mind, I went to this place, you know, in those sitcoms where they go to another place in their mind and it shows what they're thinking. Well, in my mind, <laughs> I was using this lady's face as a punching bag. She was taken. You know, I just wanted to slap her, but I just smiled, you know, little sweet lady. I wanted to pat her on the head because I knew better. I knew that God didn't take my mom. But see, if that's the kind of information that you've gotten about God, that he's not a good God, you never know what he's going to do, then it's going to affect your faith and belief in him. Well, how can I trust him if I don't know what he's going to do? But in the word, it tells us what he does. And so he's a good God. He's got good plans for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future, to give you a future and a hope. And so if we have the right understanding of God, it's a lot easier to have faith in God. So he said, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain... So this is another step on showing what you believe is what you say. And so it's important to know what we say. And when you come up against a situation that's tough, the first words out of your mouth is probably what you believe. I remember Nikki, we, we were over at some relative's house and we're getting on these four wheelers. Well, Nikki, she tends to go all out. And if you get her in a go-kart race, she's going to be, you know, bobbing and weaving and, and crashing and doing everything she can to win. And so we're out on the open field in these, on these four-wheelers, and, you know, we take off. Well, she's got it going. She's, she's all out. Well, I was way over here, and she was way over there. We were yards and yards apart. And I looked up. And I saw this ravine that she was headed straight toward, this ditch. And the ditch was probably eight feet wide. So there's no way to jump this ditch. And I said, I, I yelled out at her name, but she didn't see it till the last minute. It was, too, it was too late to even hardly put on the brakes, but at the last minute she put on the brakes. But she went down into the other side of the bank the, the four-wheeler hit the bank, and then she went flying off the front and hit head first on the other side, and her body contorted like, you know, over. I thought, I didn't know if she was alive. That's how, that's how bad it looked from where I was sitting. But it's your first words. It's your first response to show what you believe. And what were the first words that came out of your mouth? Jesus. Jesus. And right there, 
laying there, she began to believe that no matter what had happened, that she was healed. <laughs> well, if you had been there to see this, you would have just been, oh, my goodness. I, I, I went, she, she laid lifeless there. And I ran over. I said, honey, are you okay? Honey, honey, are you okay? And I saw life. <laughs> well, I laid with her. I prayed with her. And she says, we have to finish. I said, what do you mean? We're going to finish this ride. Because I'm not going to let the fear of this conquer me. And so we got back on those four-wheelers, and we, we rode around the path, and then we came back in. Now, she knew that something had popped in the back of her neck because she felt it. And so be careful when stuff like this happens who you tell. Because you don't want somebody speaking unbelief to you when you're trying to stand in faith. And so at that time, we were just going to, we got to get back. We got to get to the hospital and we got to get this thing checked out. She was stiff. She could, she could barely move. There was tingling. So if you're going to go to Google to find out if you're healed or not, you may find that you're not. We didn't do that. We didn't have to go to Google to, to figure out what these symptoms mean to us. Because what the Word of God says is by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Now, I believe that or I don't. But Jesus paid the price for healing. And so that's a promise that I, that I can obtain from God by faith. And so we went to the hospital. We got, you know, the x-rays. And that was probably, what, two or three days later? The next day, and the, you know, over the course of those two or three days, she was just standing in faith, believing that these x-rays would show nothing. And guess what? The x-rays showed nothing. I'm, I'm telling you that had she not believed, I don't know if she could walk today. That's how bad it, it looked. She said something popped in her neck. That's how bad it was. But then three days later, it showed nothing. God's word is true. He's looking for people that will believe him. And we're the church. And so if we don't believe, if we don't have faith, if we're not, if we're not believing for marvels, wonders, and extraordinary men, if, if we're not talking about these things, then who is? If it's not God's, God's people. <laughs> We're his people. He lives on the inside of us. This is what we do. We believe the impossible. That's it's what we do. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so it's important what you say. And the uh, the Amplified brings this out. It says that we're to have faith in God constantly, consistently, and do not doubt in our heart. James says if you doubt in your heart. You're, you're, you're like a, 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 a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And let not that man suppose he will receive anything from God. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Well, guess who the one that is, uh, seeks who he may devour? He roar, roars around like a roaring lion, right? Seeking who he may devour. Well, they always pick on 
the ones that are the what? The weakest link, right? The ones that are unstable. You're in one day, you're out the next. You're in one day, you're out the next. Well, that's what Second Peter's talking about when he's talking about how there'll be false prophets at the end. And they'll try to deceive people. And then those people that are unstable will fall prey to those people. But that's not us. That's not us. You're in here on a Wednesday night getting the word. The word produces stability in your life. Faith produces stability in your life. So what we have to do is get the doubt out. Say that with me. I got to get the doubt out. Turn to your neighbor and point at them and say, get the doubt out. So we get the word in. The word brings what? Faith, the hearing of the word. So by faith, uh, our, our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So we get the word in, which gets doubt, what? Out. And so that's what we're doing tonight. Whatever is born of God, 1 John 5, 4, overcomes the world. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So this is something that David had. Because he believed God. He spent time with God. And you'll see in this story, if you go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. See, I want to get out of believing for marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations that are in the future. Because now... There are now faith is now now there are marvels, wonders and extraordinary manifestations. Now, Lord, I thank you that right now that there are marvels, wonders. I thank you now, Father, that there are extraordinary manifestations of your greatness. Now. First Samuel, chapter 16. So the backstory is the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you long mourn for Saul? Because Saul disobeyed and, and we could, we could talk about that, but we won't spend time there. So Samuel's job is to go anoint one of Jesse's sons. And so he gets there and, and they, they call for a meeting. He invites Jesse to sacrifice and we'll pick up in verse, uh, six. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord anointed anointing is before him because Eliab was tall. He looked like a warrior. He probably looked a lot like King Saul looked because King Saul was one of the tallest men in the land. He was a warrior. He was, he was a soldier. And this is probably what the, the firstborn Eliab looked like. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is important. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. Another word is rejected. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So apparently this man didn't have the heart that God wanted to see. And so this is what we need to get from this is that God sees you where you're at, that he hasn't forgotten you. He, he knows where you're at. He looks on the heart and it's the Bible says that it's a man's gift that will make room for him. So God can make a way for you where there seems to be no way. 
And so if you're believing for things in your life, don't, don't pay attention to what everybody else is saying or the appearance of it all because God looks on the heart. So we need to be before God and saying, Lord, change me. Creating me, a, David would pray this all the time, creating me a clean heart. Work on me, God, change me. Change what, if, if there's something I need to fix, fix me. Tell me what it is so I can change. That's a heart, and, and you know, it says in Acts, I wanted to know what a, a man after God's own heart, that's what David's called as a man after God, what that means. And in Acts chapter 13, don't turn there, verse 22, it says, a man after God's own heart who will do all of my will. Wow. So we just have to be obedient to do what God tells us to do. But see, King Saul wasn't. He had specific orders of what to do, and he disobeyed because of the people. So David, he said, the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. And so they go through all seven of David's brothers. Apparently all of them were there, but David wasn't. And so Samuel says, is there any more? Is there, is there any more? Because it's none of these. Oh, yeah, there's David. Maybe you're the oh, yeah but I got good news for you. If you are, the future looks bright because that's when God can shine. So they call for David and uh, verse 11, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. So even this Future king, even his father, had forgotten about him. Surely it can't be David. But God saw his heart. And he said, the Lord said, verse 12, arise, anoint him, for this is the, is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil. And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. If you've ever felt like you've been overlooked or forgotten. Just remember that the Lord hasn't forgotten you. That God can make a way. And if God's making the way. There ain't no man Vic that can stop it. There ain't no demon that can stop it. If God's making the way, now if you're trying to make your own way, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. But if God's making the way, there ain't no, nothing that can stop it. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about that. Feeling kind of punchy. You just keep trusting God. You keep having faith. You keep being obedient. You keep doing the little things he tells you to do. He knows where you are. He knows where your kids are. He's heard your prayers. He's heard your prayers, mom, dad, over your children. He's heard them. He's working. What makes you think he's not working? So we go over to chapter 17. 
In verse 4, a champion went out from the camp of the Philistine named Goliath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Some people say is around nine feet, nine inches tall. It talks about the, his, his helmet, his, it talks about his uh, armor, talks about his spear. But verse 8, we pick up here. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? This is the first thing that the devil is going to try to do in your life is to reduce you to a natural man. But the fact is, when you got Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, you're not a natural person. You are a supernatural person. You have the one that defeated it all on the inside of you, which makes you a winner. But that's the first thing that the devil's going to come at you with. And he's going to taunt you and he's going to, he's going to get in your face and it's going to be real loud. And, and it's going to be, you know, you remember when Peter walked on water, when he stepped out of the boat, well, he, uh, he, the, the Bible says that the winds were contrary. But then when he began to notice the, the winds that were around him, it says they were boisterous. What happened? Peter's perspective changed. And so these things picked up and it, and it took his attention off of Jesus. And it reminded him of him as a natural man when he was doing the supernatural. So it says, choose a man for yourself, let him come down. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. And if, he, and if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, as Christians, the Bible tells us to not regard anyone according to the flesh. And it goes on to say, because you are a new creation. Come on, somebody. Are y'all out there tonight? Can I get an A? Are there any A manners out there? Okay. You know, saying amen to the preacher is like saying sick them to the dog. So it helps. <laughs> Or I could just stand up here and be very monotone, if you'd like. What was I even talking about? Not regarding anyone according to the flesh. Why? Because, we're, because when Jesus comes in, he makes us alive. We were dead in our sin, and now we're alive. We should start acting like we're alive. Not, not dead. Hey, guess what? We're going to heaven. We're, we're going to live for eternity in heaven. There's nothing to be sad, disappointed, depressed. I mean, surely, you know, things happen, but, but Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So who's your faith in? You you want to try to handle everything? Hmm. All right. So, verse 11. 
When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The message translation says they were terrified and lost all hope. Now, faith is the substance of things what? So if you lose all hope, are you in faith? They were terrified and lost all hope. Why? Had, the, had Goliath come and beat on them? Had he physically come and beat on them? No. All he did was spoke words. That's it. It was just words. And they put faith in those words. It's called fear. Because fear is faith in death and the other side of life. And so they put faith in those words. And, they, and guess what? They believed it because that fear paralyzed them. These were trained soldiers that were sitting there on the side of the mountain. You're going to do something? Well, you know. You're going to do something? Well, you know, I, I, I kind of twisted my ankle the other day. And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, I, I pray for you when you go out there. I mean, after all, you're quicker than me. And, you know, now we're getting off into this natural stuff again. But there's no way that they defeat this guy in the natural. And so that's what Satan wants to reduce you to is this natural. The New Living Translation said they were terrified and deeply shaken. Deeply shaken and terrified. Fear gripped them. Fear paralyzed them. And this word, I looked it up in the Hebrew, this word dismayed. It means the word prostrate. And the word prostrate has a, has a couple of different meanings. And one meaning is stretched out with your face on the ground. Watch this. In adoration or submission or completely overcome and lacking vitality, will or the power to rise. Isn't that what happened? They lacked the vitality, the will and the power to rise when this man... The Bible says in, in a few verses later, it said he came out 40 days and 40 nights, 80 times. And taunted God's people. Now, this was the army of God. He came out and taunted God's people. And so here comes David into the camp to, to, to bring some food to his brothers. But I just want us to recognize that this is a tactic of the enemy. Taunting, threats, insults, making a big splash, but none of it will touch you. He always overplays his hand because he's so prideful. And so we have to recognize this for what it is. I had a man that... It was a couple years ago, left a message on my cell phone, voicemail. Hey, I'm so-and-so. You know, uh, I went in this restaurant the other day, and they didn't, they didn't honor the discount that your company says you got and this and that. And uh, I just want to find out more about, you know, how y'all go about signing this. So he leaves this message. Well, I had a check in my spirit about this. And, and I had gotten this message after I had been praying that morning. You know, because that's what Christians do is we, we pray. 
We read our Bibles. That's what we do. It's just part of what, who we are. We do, we do those things. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I had a check. And so um, he was trying to come off as a customer, but what he really was, and, and the Holy Spirit told me exactly how to look him up, and I found out that, that he was a competitor of mine. And so I called him back and used the name that, that, uh, that he assumed or whatever it was. And uh, I let him talk for a little bit. And I realized what he was trying to do was to pump me for information on what we do in this area. And so I said, is this so-and-so with so-and-so company? Aren't you the president of that company? Well, yes, I am. And he starts just yelling at me, going off and yelling at me. And I'm telling you what, I want you to know that I'm moving to that town. He, he lived about three hours away and worked that territory. He said, I'm moving to that town and I'm going to take all your business down there. And I had just been reading <laughs> about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when the king Nebuchadnezzar said, if, if, if you don't bow, then I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And their response to King Nebuchadnezzar in the message translation was, your threat means nothing to us. That's what, that's what, that was their response. And so what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Well, turn it up seven times hotter. As if fire won't burn if it's not seven times hotter. I mean, that's dumb. So much so that he killed his own people. I mean, that's dumb. The devil's crazy, I tell you. And so I said, your threat means nothing to, to me. And none of this of which you say will happen. And boom, 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 hung up. Guess what? So he said, he said, this, this uh, client of mine was this and this client. And this. So I called every one of them. I said, did you get a call from some guy, this or that? Oh, yeah, he's really pushy and we don't like him at all. Why is he calling us? I don't know, but I was just checking. All right, y'all have a good day. And I called all three, and he had lied on every one of them. The devil is a liar. In fact, the father of lies, he invented lies. And so when he comes at us with these threats and these insults and tries to make everything seem so, don't, don't believe everything that you're seeing in the natural. Because you got to remember that you still serve a God who lives on the inside of you and is alive. Isn't that right? So David comes in and he says this, verse 26, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Now watch this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What's he saying there? That he doesn't have a covenant with God. He's coming against God's people. And he doesn't have a covenant with God. That means he's setting himself against God. The Bible says in Hebrews that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And there will come a day where, you know, yes, God is love. But there will also come a day of judgment. And the people that aren't born again will stand before Jesus Christ. And that whether they want to or not, 
Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Aren't you glad you've already made that decision? Aren't you glad you're a winner? Thank you, Father, <laughs> that, that, you, that you live on the inside of us, that, that, that you chose me. I'm so thankful. I just, I, I wake up every day, Lord, thank you. And I think about his mercy. You know, times where you failed, and I think about the mercy of God, and I think about how God can take you from your lowest point and restore you with things. He's just such a good God. I don't know why people wouldn't want to serve him. I don't know why they wouldn't want to give every part of their life to him. So here's David, and he said, Who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the what? The living God. He knew God was alive. Verse 29. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Right now, I'm talking to you. Is there not a cause? Are there people that that are sick? Are there people that are broken? Are there people that are on their way to hell if they're not born again? Is there not a cause? Is there not something to fight for? That's what he was saying. So he goes in front of the king and he says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. What's that tell me? We have to be aggressive. As Christians, we have to be aggressive. We have to have aggressive faith. Don't let the devil come in and steal stuff from you. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. And this here it is again. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. What's he doing? He's speaking words of faith. Why? Because he believed God. Why did he believe God? Because he had already done this with the lion and the bear. You're not going to stand in front of Goliath not having defeated the lion and the bear with confidence. But it's these little victories that we get with faith. That's what I was saying last time is, is, you know, I used to just say, believe for a parking spot as I pulled up to a, a, a place of business. Little victories of faith. Practicing faith. Because then it grows your confidence. And so that when you get in front of a big situation like this was, seemingly, you've got confidence. My God, who delivered me from the lion and bear. What else was he doing? Man, there's so much I want to say. He was remembering. He was recalling all the things that God has done. And sometimes we got to go back when we're faced with something. We got to go back and go, Lord, I thank you that you delivered me. I thank you that you healed my body. I thank you, Lord, that when I went head first into the other side of the ditch, that you healed me, that you rescued me, that you protected me, that when I was in that car wreck, your angels were there, that when, that when I had a, a, a recovery, the recovery process was speeded. We have to remember what God done. I remember, Lord, when you showed me mercy. I remember, Lord, when you forgave me. Recall these times. That's why in, in Psalm 78 that he was upset with these Israelites because they had forgotten everything he did for them. He had split the Red Sea. How many of you like to see that? 
You think you'd forget about that? Well, a million people did, or however many. They complained, they grumbled. They, he got water from a rock. You ever seen water come out of a rock? A fire by night, a cloud by day, food falling from heaven? <laughs> what kind of food would you want? <laughs> chicken, okay. Love that chicken from Five Five. All right. Manna fell. You know what manna means? What is it? That's what it means. <laughs> so here's David talking to, to King Saul saying, look, I, I've got a covenant with God. This is what he's saying. I, I believe God. He helped me defeat the lion and the bear. I've got a covenant. He's made me promises. And I believe his promises. And so, you know, he convinced Saul. So here's what Saul tries to do. Well, here, take my armor. But you can only be who God's called you to be. People are going to try to make you into being what they think you should be, but you can only be who God's called you to be, and you can only run the race that he's called you to run. You can't look at somebody else and say, well, I want to be like this, so I'm going to pattern this or that. No, God's called you to run your race. So he, David had enough sense to say, you know what, this is it me. This is it me. See, he knew who he was. <laughs> so he says, so now the standoff, he gets out there with his slingshot and his stones and the, the standoff. Same thing. Goliath comes at him to taunt him. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. Ha, ha, ha. Then what does David do? He says to him, you come to me with a sword. See, what did Mark 11 verse 23 say? That we need to do what? Have faith in God. And if you say to the mountain, what's he doing? He's talking to it now. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. See, some of you need to have a this day where you start getting coming out of your mouth this day, not in the future. Bring in the future to this day. No more are we going to take, devil, what you've thrown our way. We're not going to sit back anymore. Because I, I went to Heritage of Faith on a Wednesday night, and I listened to a preacher that said, I don't have to take your junk. And so, so I'm coming at you, and in the name of Jesus. See, because we've been given that authority. Jesus said when he came back, he rose from the grave, appeared to his disciples, says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore. So we, we have the authority to conquer, to subdue, to have dominion. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, that David and Samuel, the prophets who through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. This is what faith will do for you. They stopped the mouths of lions. Hebrews 11, verse 32. What's that? Believe. Trust in God. Depend on him. 
See, my, my faith in God grew when I got Eric out of the way. When I got to the place where I said, God, I, I, I'm done. I'm done chasing money. I'm done doing this, doing that. I'm done. I need you. Well, David was a humble man, but that takes a humble person to say, God, I need you. You're not weak if you do that. You're strong. The, the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to them, help to the home. What's grace for? To help you. To help you. Titus says that, it, that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and to help us to live godly. Grace is to help us live godly. Not an excuse to sin. But I said, Lord, I need you. Every day, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you. Give me strength for today. And when I got to that place, well, I began to see God moving in my life, doing things. My business took off. I mean, I was working hard, which, which you're supposed to work hard, but not to the point where you're worried and anxious. Matthew chapter 6 talks about all that. But you, you trust in God. You believe. And, th- and people started coming to me. It was just the most amazing thing. To trust God, to believe in him. And so, you know, the rest of the story, he throws his stone, hits Goliath, sinks into his forehead, goes and cuts his head off with a, with a sword. And I, I, just, I just love that this story about a man, really, really, you could say a boy at that time, a young man who believed God. He knew who God was. But he also knew who he was in God. Know who you are in God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You're more than a conqueror. And through Jesus, you have victory. That's who we are. We subdue kingdoms. We work righteousness. We obtain promises. We stop the mouths of lions. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you right now, Father. For this word. Lord, I I pray. I pray for a bulldog, aggressive faith to be deposited in your people tonight. Will you stand? Stand with me right now. Lord, I pray for an aggressive faith. Lord, that fear will not grip your people. And I come against the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And I command you to cease and desist and to go from here in Jesus' name. Go from God's people. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And Father, I thank you that you've empowered your people with the Holy Spirit.
that the love, your love dwells on the inside of us. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. Lord, I just pray that right now you're depositing strength, supernatural strength in the hearts of your people and natural strength. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that where they may have felt weary in their body, they'll now run. Father, I speak strength to everybody. Lord, I thank you for sound minds. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. We give you glory and praise. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, when we've been prideful. Forgive us, Lord, when we thought we could handle this on our own. And I pray, Lord, that we will take this as an encouragement to lean on you. That you be our everything. And I thank you for it, Father. You're such a good God. You're such a good, good God. And Lord, I thank you so much for your love. Lord, there's th- there are those that question your love. But Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus. Lord, everything. It was everything that you could give. Lord, you don't want to see us go through these things, but you're with us. And I thank you that you're our helper. I thank you for it, Father. Know that you are loved. God loves you so much. Oh, man. Get revelation of that. Hear the heart of God right now. Oh, he loves you. He loves you. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.